Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. And this, this is yet another episode. In this, in this episode, we're going to be talking about human sexuality. And I know that at, on first mention, this topic can be what 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 it can bring to mind for some of us is just an uncomfortable topic. But the reason that I am talking about this topic that is that we sometimes consider to be uncomfortable is because. God put the heaviness on my heart and and I want to be obedient to my God and um, I don't think that in terms of where I am right now I don't think I would be where I am in terms of human sexuality had God and I never talked about it had God never brought it up never took the time to educate me and to teach me and to keep me in line so this episode is about that and uh, I, I don't know if, if y'all really enjoy it, but I certainly hope that you guys get to learn from this. So you get to learn what the word of God has to say about this topic. And I just want to tell you that it's not something to be ashamed of. It's not something to be ashamed of. It's a part of our humanity and we have to accept it. But we also don't have to let it become what controls us or to be the base of our identity. It's a part of our humanity, and it's nothing to be ashamed of. So let's get into the rest of the episode. So, where is life at? That is a really interesting question in of its own. So I have like, I have a bunch of, I, I have like my, my notes on it, like, like the whole layout of the episode. I have it in my Samsung notes. I should go check it out i made it yesterday um what i'm going to include in where's life at oh here the first one that we have in where's life at is oh we have my current chess obsession because i am currently obsessed with chess i i just i know i know at times it's hard and i know that it's challenging but that's why i love chess that's why i love solving those puzzles i to just play to play this really beautiful this strategic intellectual game i just love this game and um next one we have my current enjoyments ooh what are my current enjoyments oh lately i think that i've been enjoying a lot watching um watching these Watching these news networks that actually speak truth, like Sky News Australia, or you, or there's more, there's more, there's totally more. Um, like which one? The Daily Wire. You go like, like you got people like the Matt Walsh Show, and uh, yesterday I actually downloaded their app. The it's called Daily Wire Plus, and it's got really great shows on it, like actual actual shows. It's woke free entertainment. And I really love that. I really love that they have entertainment because they're willing to bring you actual news and they're willing to speak out against injustices and all the, all that stuff. So please do go check it out. Go check it out. You need to be informed somehow. So the next that I have. Oh, oh okay. Um, I have the movies, shows, and music I've been into. Okay, so as for movies and shows, uh, um, there's not really much. But this year, I want to tell you, 
I have watched three things that have really stuck out to me. Three movies that have stuck out to me. There's The Shack. The movie The Shack that I watched during the darkest season of my life. And, and it's like the words were meant for me. The words in that script were meant for me. And when they were speaking to, to that guy, Mackenzie, it was like God was speaking to me, directly to me. And uh, it was it was really cool. So, yeah. And the second I've watched is I've watched. Oh, yeah. I watched a documentary called The Jesus Music. So The Jesus Music is like they talk about the evolution and sorry if that if that offends some of y'all but they talk about the progression of the christian music that we have the jesus music that we have about how it came to be from the usual christian music that it was to its its whole explosion into this music that that it's got so many styles to it but one we're preaching one message we got Christian pop, we got Christian rock, we got we got Christian hip hop, we got Christian rap, we got we got it like we're like whoa and to just see how music came it came from the usual hymns to where it to where it's at right now. I, I really enjoyed that documentary. And I also did watch another movie that came out on Netflix. It came out last year, but but I didn't watch it last year. I ended up watching it this year um, because I remembered it this year. It's called The Week Away. It's it's this it's this movie about this troubled teenager who, called Will, who apparently who apparently um he lost his parents when he was really young, and now. And after losing his parents, he's been into some trouble. He's now in high school, and he does a bunch of stuff. He 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 even stole a cop car, stole a cop car, tried to sell his high school on Craigslist and stuff like that. But but in the end, it's like him coming in his way. It was kind of like his rebellion, but in the end, he comes to find he he comes to find that the God he's been looking for has been has been there all along he never left him he's been there all along and um the next part that we have is songwriting and we have the prodigal oh we have the song prodigal son i had i added in in brackets loving father prodigal son loving father so the song prodigal son i i put it up on my soundcloud and by the way i do have a profile on soundcloud where i put up these unfinished songs imperfect as they are because it, these are not the official recordings they're just like just to put them out just to get started on putting songs out out there so go check me out on soundcloud um just type dale d-e-o like just go on soundcloud and type dale yeah and I put it up on SoundCloud and, you know, it's surprising when I check out the profiles of the people. Who, I don't have many listeners on SoundCloud, but it's amazing when you, when I go check out the profiles of the people who listen to my song, to my songs on SoundCloud. And I'm like, these are the people that the songs need to be going to the people. These are the people who need these songs because Jesus said that it's the sick that need a doctor so these are the people that these songs need to be going to and to just see that that for me is like 
I wonder, to me, it's like every time, even with the podcast, it's like, I wonder how this podcast, how God is literally speaking to someone through this podcast. How I wonder how God is literally speaking to someone through through these songs. I wonder, I just wonder, because I, on the other side here, a lot of the times I feel like, oh man, I, I, I hope it's good enough. I hope it's perfect. And that that right there is a hint on my perfectionism or and stuff like that. And uh, for me, really, it's like, it's not at all good to live as a perfectionist. But anyway, it's amazing to see, to see, to just get a glimpse of it. I don't, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I'll never know. I'll never know until maybe, until we get to heaven. I'll never know just how, just, just how deeply just how deeply these these th this content that I put out speaks to you guys so so yeah yeah and uh, yeah I I there's prodigal oh yeah I I forgot prodigal son so prodigal son I finished the song and uh, it's it needs a little tweaking of the lyrics but um it's really amazing the song um, it really speaks about my progression through prodigalness, my progression through worldliness, and to see God draw me back, to see God hold on to me, and to see God love me and treasure me, to treasure, he treasures this piece of trash, and he's put his eternal love and worth on the inside of me, and to think about how I've wronged him to think about the prodigal son. He came to himself. And what did he say? He said, I'm going to go to my father and I'm going to say, I have wronged you. I have sinned against you and I've sinned against God. And uh, the the song prodigal son is it speaks to our relationship with God about how we wander away, about how we run away from him. Remember, in the revelation of Jesus Christ, one of one of the episodes I read to you this that I've written to God, oh, about God, about the moment of my first love, and um, that even though I ran away, there's this part, I just remember this part that says, even though I ran away. So, yeah, it speaks to, we all will have our prodigal wanderings, and we'll always need to keep on coming back, coming back, and God will never push us away. God will never God will never push you away. He'll always welcome you back with arms wide open. And so as the song is finished, I'm hoping to make an official record recording and release it on SoundCloud. So really, I, I just want to tell y'all, if you really, if you want to hear the song, so f just go on SoundCloud, search Deo and you'll see it. And um, yeah, yeah. But, but as for officially all over all platforms i still even haven't found a distributor so i'll still have to go through that but god is the one that directs my my life my destiny so we'll see and speaking of direct of direction from god yesterday i was watching andrew womack on tv and he was preaching and I started hearing a voice. I think it's the voice of God. I think it might be the voice of God. And he started, the voice started saying that 
This is where I want you to go. This is where I want you to go. And it said that repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. It was implying, um, it was implying Karis Bible College. And it was like, this is where I, and the more that, that I heard that voice, the more a peace, I can't find another word, but the peace fell on me. It fell on me. It, it, it fell on me that it, 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 it was really amazing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed this part of the episode. Let's move into the next one. Let's go. So right now I'm reading a book by C.S. Lewis called The Screwtape Letters. You should go check it out. Um, And it's in the form of like he writes as an let's say this elder demon or devil elder devil to a younger nephew devil about uh, giving him advice about how how to handle the human that he's been assigned to and uh, it's a really interesting point of view really for me and uh, I don't consider reading the book I don't consider it the bible but I consider it enlightening to think about at least to think about it in that way to kind of have an idea of to kind of have an idea of of like oh my goodness this is how this is how demons work and I'm not saying that's the bible or that's definitely it but it's really an interesting point of view and it's really spoken to me and the chapters that I'm on how interesting because I, I, I before I started reading the book I, I was planning on making this episode but how interesting the chapters that I'm on the chapter that I'm on I'm not sure but I'm on page 117 so so more than halfway through the book um but they they speak of human sexuality so I I, I just want to read to you some excerpts or some some cutouts from that then we'll go and I'll give you the main verse and then we'll talk about the rest let's go yeah Chapter 21, My Dear Wormwood Yes, a period of sexual temptation is an excellent time for working a subordinate attack on the patient's peevishness. It may even be, be the main attack as long as, he thinks, as long as he thinks it the subordinate one. But here, as in, as in everything else, the way must be prepared for your moral assault by darkening his intellect. Men are not angered by mere misfortune, but by misfortune conceived as injury. And the sense of injury depends on the feeling that a legitimate claim has been denied. The more claims on life, therefore, that your patient, therefore, that your patient can be induced to make, the more often he will feel injured and as a result, ill-tempered. Now you will have noticed that nothing throws him into passion so easily, so easily as to find a tract of time when he is reckoned to on having at his own disposal unexpectedly taken from him. It is the unexpected visitor when he when he looked forward to a quiet evening, or the friend's talkative wife, turning up when he looked forward to a tete-a-tete, that's in French, it says it means head-to-head, with the friend that throws him out of gear. Now, he is not yet so uncharitable or slothful that these demands on his courtesy are themselves too much for it. They anger him because he regards his time as his own and feels that it is being, t- being stolen. You must therefore zealously guard his mind in the, in the curious assumption, my time is my own. Now, let's go to another part that we're going to read about. Yeah. Chapter 20. 
my dear Wormwood. <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna skip. Um, get to this part. It says, I haven't gotten a, re I haven't yet gotten a report from you on young women in the neighborhood. I should like it at once, for if we can't use his sexuality to make him unchaste, unch I'm just gonna read to you the definition of chastity. Chastity is a uh, religion. That's in brackets. And then the definition is abstaining from sexual relations as because of religious vows. Okay. For if we can't use his sexuality to make him unchaste, we must try to use it for the promotion of a desirable marriage. In the meantime, I would like to give you some hint about the type of woman. I mean the physical type, which he should be encouraged to fall in love with if falling in love is the best we can manage. In, the rough, in, in, in a rough and ready day, of course, this question is decided for us by spirits far deeper low in the lower key than you and I. It is the business of these great masters to produce in every age a general misdirection of what may be called sexual taste. So now this is, do mind that everything spoken here is on, is on like from God or it's like in the point of view of a demon, right? Okay. This they do by working through the small circle of popular artists, dressmakers and actresses and advertisers who determine the fashionable type. The aim is to guide each sex away from each of from, from those members of the other whom, whom spiritually helpful, happy and fertile marriages are most likely. Thus we have now for many centuries triumphed over nature to the extent of making certain secondary characteristics of the male, such as a beard, disagreeable to nearly all females and there is more than that there's more than that than you might suppose as regards to male taste we have we have varied a good deal at one time we have directed it to this statuesque and aristo aristocratic type of beauty mixing men's vanity with their desires and encouraging the race to breed chiefly from the most arrogant and prodigal women and at another we have selected an exaggerated feminine type faint and languishing so that the folly and cowardice and all the general falseness and littleness of mind which go with them shall be at a premium. At present, we are on the opposite tack. The age of jazz has succeeded the age of waltz, and we now teach them to like women whose bodies are scarcely distinguishable from those of boys, since this kind of beauty even more is even since this is a kind of beauty even more transitory than most, we thus aggravate the, the female's chronic horror of growing old with many excellent results and render her less willing and less able to bear children. And that is not all. We have engineered a great increase in the license with, with which society allows to the representation of apparent nude, not the real nude, in art and its exhibition on the stage of bathe of, uh, or the bathing beach. It's all fake, of course. The figures in the popular art are falsely drawn. The real women in bathing suits or, or, or tights are actually pinched in and propped up to make them appear firmer and more slender and more boyish than nature allows a full-grown woman to be. Yet at the same time, the modern world is taught to believe that it is being frank and healthy and getting back to nature. Before we continue, I want to tell you something. So lately, I've been going through the like, just telling myself that I would see that in the past, I have wished of God that he would just take away 
all of sexuality, the good and the bad, because of like, because of like my war with lust and like my past experience, my past experience with it and all that. Okay. And uh, just like, God, these desires are overwhelming me. And we're going to talk about that, that desires are not bad. God put the desires inside of us. They're not bad, but desires misdirected, desires out of control, desires that are not, that are not, you know, they don't, they're not walled in. Desires out of control, that, that is bad. And so we're going to talk about all that. But before, uh, I, before we go forward, I want to say that lately, you know, as I've been going through this, I've, I, it, it feels like every episode I make, when I do it, it's like I even go through a journey of that. So I'm doing an episode on sexuality and I'm, and I'm going through a journey in regards to that. So, like, like, a few weeks ago, God and I, we sat in my bedroom and we talked. Oh, actually, I was on my knees, on the floor. Um, yeah, I guess we also sat, but I, I, on the floor in my bedroom, we talked about the, old, the whole area of sexuality. And to my surprise, there was no shame to it. When we talked about it, there was no shame to it. There was no shame about the desires. There was no shame. And I just love that. That that spoke to me. And of course, God and I, we've 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 always talked about we've talked about this topic because I came to a point where I was like, you know what, I need to tell God anything and everything. Like anything and everything. So basically, especially from like last year, God became like my guy friend on even on even on this like said topic so we've talked a lot about this and uh, it's really really changed me and i i just want to bring each and every one of us to a point where it's like this topic shouldn't be taboo and there shouldn't be any shame to it it should be accepted it should be accepted as a, as like something that god has created and i i don't i I know that I don't want any of you to misunderstand me. In fact, that's why that's one of the reasons why there was so much hesitation about making this episode because I didn't want any misunderstandings. But but anyway, um yeah. So, I just want to talk it in the, uh, uh, oh, sorry. I just want to talk about it in the light of scripture and uh, I don't want I don't want to be any shame to it. I listened to Robert Morris. He talked about something in, it's something in regards to that. It really spoke to me and that there was no shame to it. Yesterday, I read an, an article and it really spoke to me and that there was no shame to it. And uh, in regards to this area, I'd always felt like, oh, this is a this is a bad thing. And this is a complicated sin that is uh, this is a complicated sin that is very intricate. But no. And. Again, let me redefine sexuality. Sexuality has to do with the whole field. Romance, lust, all of that. All of that. So please don't get me wrong. And don't. And my definition of, of sexuality is not the, the one that the dictionary gives me of which has to do with sexual orientation, although it is part of sexuality. And we are going to talk about that and how God can help us to overcome that. So, yeah, 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 yeah. But... I just want to talk about it 
really, I just want to like really talk about this topic in the light of scripture. And, you know, a few days ago, I found an artist um, online who is under the category of Christian on Apple Music. And they were like, you know, LGBTQ artists topping Christian charts. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, okay, that that's like, that's like a watered down version of, of my reaction, of my inside reaction. But, but I went to Apple Music and I, and I read one of, some of the lyrics to one of his songs. And I was like, oh my goodness, he really believes that God has made him this way. And I didn't feel judgmental. I really didn't. And I was like, a lot of people are bought under the lie. They're bought under the lies of the enemy in terms of sexuality, whether whether they, they, they be heterosexual or, or homosexual or whatever, whatever. You can use whatever words you want to use. But... But a lot of people are bought under lies, and I too was bought under lies. I too was bought under lies, and I really, I hated myself. I just, I hated myself. And the fact that God has walked me through and is walking me through, that, that good news is what I want to spread. That good news is what I wanted, is what I wanted to speak about in this episode. So I don't really have a main scripture for the passage, but what I'm going to do here is I'm going to speak about my experience in terms of sexuality. But before I go forward, I feel like, again, I should just mention what I mean by sexuality, because like I looked up this word in the dictionary and it means it, it, it's all it speaks about is like sexual orientation and, and that stuff. While and while sexual orientation and the LGBTQ part is part of sexuality, I don't think it is the message of sexuality. And I am going to talk about that. And I want to speak the truth and speak the truth in love. I will not compromise on the on what the, the on what the Bible says about it. But I also want to speak it in love. And so if you're struggling with that, please stay stick around, stick around for that. Because like God really like like I felt God put it on my heart as if as if he him seeing into the future saw someone needing this someone struggling in that area and and that night I felt like I really got to do this episode I really got to do this episode and so I'm going to start with my experience with sexuality so we're gonna there's three parts in it um, in sexuality that I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about romance. I'm going to talk about lust. And I'm going to talk about sexual identity. Of which no one should identify with anything. But the fact that God loves them. So we're going to talk about that. So by sexual identity I guess I'm talking about sexual misidentification. Okay. So let's. Let, okay let's go. Let, let me start with my story. So. Um. So, I remember I was less than nine years old. I was like eight. And I was playing outside with my neighbor's kids. Um, and all of a sudden, I don't know, the most wonderful feelings 
overcame me. They they just overtook me and I was like and I no longer saw one of the one of the one of the girls one of my neighbor's children who who was about like what, what was she oh she was like a year older than me so like somewhere in my in my age range and I was like what is this and uh, it was like I knew what it was I it was like I knew what it was though I did not know but I just I just knew what it was and as time went on I believe God impressed upon me, though I did not know it was him <laughs> back then, but I believe God impressed upon me that there's such a thing as the one. And uh, and uh, I and I was like, wow, that is wonderful. That is like a wonderful promise to hold. So I just I just kept that kept that in mind. And years went by. And uh, of course, it was like me kind of like wrestling with my own feelings and my changing and my changing and my changing hormones and stuff and I just really really wrestled with that I, I did not I did not like that I just wanted to be like you know what no I I don't want it right now maybe later so yeah and I get and we're gonna we are gonna talk about that in this episode so like then came like then came like when I learned at school about how children come to be. I always knew that somehow that was involved. <laughs> I don't know. I, I came to know eventually, but I, I, I came to know way earlier than my peers. Like I was watching an 11th grade life sciences thing on, on TV. And I was like, oh, so that's how it happens. And I was like, and I was like, oh, and though i knew it to be true for the first like two years two th that three year range of time i kind of like was in denial i was like how can this and 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 forgive me for saying this but how can this weird thing be how children are created how can this weird thing be the way be the way that children are, are created and that that for me i was really in denial and then time went by and I start hearing Jimmy Evans on TV and he's like God created sex and I'm like and my reaction because like that was like the the moment of my of my first love right so I'm getting closer and closer to God so I'm like so my reaction was like God how could you I'm so disappointed in you I thought you were better than that and <laughs> and <laughs> oh my goodness that but seriously, that's I, I didn't say it out loud. I didn't say it directly to God, but I but I definitely did think that in my mind that no, 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 it can't be God. How could you? And uh, it, it, and it was and it was. And and then there's my high school experience of which, like, it feels as if the hormones kept on like the going up and up and up and I just, I just did not like it. In fact, I, I have wished of God many times that God, this seems like it's way too much trouble. Please just take it all away, the good and the bad. And uh, my view of it, like as it had been presented to me by my parents was like, they didn't, they didn't educate me properly on the subject, but my view of the whole 
airy of the whole subject was just my own okay maybe not my parents view but just my own was like it was kind of like it to me it seemed i even told god earlier this year that it seemed kind of animalistic and I have one of my notes. What which word did I use? Because I didn't want to use the offensive word called animalistic. Let me see. Let me go to my Samsung notes and we'll see which one it is. Oh, I used the word temperamental. Oh my goodness. So I went and I went on my dictionary. I searched animalistic and I found the synonym temperamental because I didn't want to seem offensive. But it it is what I thought or at least what I'd been presented with. And of course it was, of course there was, of course, my, my, my war with lust. Cause like, and I was like, Lord, I, I say that I hate this so much and I claim to hate this so much, but how come I struggle with this so much? And me just, you know, before, before my war with lust, I was very, 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 very self-righteous, very prideful. And I hated sexual immorality. I hated anything to do with it. I even hated the people. I even, in fact, I hated LGBTQ stuff. I, and I feel bad to say this, but I even hated the people. And it was until I myself struggled with something of the nature that I was like, I hated myself. But God was like, don't do that. Don't do that. I love you. How can you hate whom God loves? And that changed everything for me. It changed everything for me. So I'm going to be talking about my journey and my story in regards to this subject. And we're going to just unpack it and we're going to talk about it from scripture. So all y'all, this is going to be a very educational episode. So stick around. So the first part, the first point that we have um, under our episode is romance. So, first of all, I made an episode last year called Let's Talk About Marriage, which is the most, which is the most romance-centered episode I've ever made. And, um, and it's really interesting. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, today we're going to be looking at it from the Bible's perspective. And I, I of course, like, have my, have my own journey with it and my own journey in regard that I walked, that I am walking with God. So, yeah, that's, yeah, we're going to go through that. So, so after the making of the episode, let's talk about marriage. I really did question God, that God, is there such a thing as a one? And in my questioning, it really just started coming apart, the whole, the whole question of the one, and it just started coming apart. And, and I was like, God, have I convinced myself of the, of a lie or have I convinced myself of this? And so like we went through, we went through the journey and of course through scripture, um, there is such a thing as a one of soulmates. I do not know. I'm not saying whether there is or there is not, whether that is the one or not. I don't know. I guess it depends on your definition. But there is totally such a thing as the one because we have scripture to clarify that. Um, and uh, let me let me let me just explain what I mean by the one. So what I mean by the one is a God who knows 
the future. The God who knows the future. And it used to scare me the very thought of God knowing the future. But I read a, a really interesting piece by C.S. Lewis on on this on this God knowing the future part. For him, he's in his abounded now. And to see something happening is not to make it happen. So that's not determinism. He's just seeing it happen. He's not making it happen. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess that really destroys the whole thing on determinism. On determinism. So the God, who, the God who knows the future and the God who's got your life planned out and the God who's got plans for your life, can you... Can you ever go go out of God plans out of God's plan for your for your life? You can, but you can always get back. You can always get back into God's plan for your life. So, yeah, and uh, and I I do have a main scripture in regards to this one. It's gonna be it's gonna it's an interesting one, and it's an interesting one. It's found in songs song of songs of Solomon or Song of Songs. So we have songs of Solomon. Chapter 8, verse 4, which says, Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, which, which is, I'm admonishing you, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. And still in Song of Songs, another, yet another one like it, Daughters of Jerusalem, Song of Songs, chapter 2, verse 7, Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles or by the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. And so I'm going to actually take from scripture. I'm, I'm actually going to give you proof that such a thing as the one exists because, because like God proved it to me, right? Yeah. So, um, so not only that one, but we also have like in Genesis, we have the story of Isaac and Rebecca and, uh, let me just read one one passage to me that just it really just like really skipped the page for me in regards to this. When the Lord led me to this scripture one day, and uh, just to just one passage really skipped the page. The the, the mo it it was one that skipped the page the most to me. So we're in Genesis chapter. What is it? Chapter 24. And Abraham is getting old. And now he's sending his, his servant, Eliezer, whom I think is the one before Isaac was born, was like, he, Abraham was like, look, God, you're, you're, you haven't given me a son. And now the one who's going to get my inheritance is Eliezer of Damascus. Is he the same Eliezer? I don't know. I think so. So anyway, let's continue with this. Now, there is a lot to Genesis 24. And um, there's a lot of theological truth of which of which I'm not yet aware yet the spirit will show me some other time when I when he brings me back here. But but for what we have right now, I'll only I'll skip the the, the verses and I'll skip a few verses. I'll skip a few verses to come to to the verse where 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 we find where we find the phrase so let's see um okay we have the prayer of Eliezer and we're I'm just going to start from a certain point and he said okay okay verse 12 then he said oh lord god of my master abraham then he said oh lord god of my master abraham Give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, I stand 
by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman who, to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant, Isaac. And by this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. So let's go back to, to the most important sentence. Let her be the one you have appointed appointed for your servant Isaac so the one is about appointment so I guess um is about appointment I really don't know how to, how to explain appointment but I, I'm sure I'm sure I'm pretty um I'm pretty sure that you that you can understand what what is meant by appointment yeah so of what the one means my definition had to be redefined according to the word of God Last year, it had to be redefi redefined, and and I am where I am. Now, in terms of romance, um, I need to cover a certain area that is I, I it it is it it has to be talked about. So, like, so the next thing that we're going to talk about in romance under romance. Is that romance is not life or the essence of life. Romance is not life or the essence of life. Um, this for me came as a revelation at the beginning of this year. No, actually, like like a quarter of the way through the year, where you know it was the darkest season of my life. Yet the season filled with the most revelation of the love of God. And uh, I realized what life is all about. Life is about God. It's all about God. Life is about God and nothing else. So in fact, even all, all even, even everything fell behind, even everything fell behind in that it all came after God. It was not God. And one of those things was romance. Romance is not life and it is not the essence of life what is life who is life is jesus in fact he says i am the way the truth the life and it is not the essence of life in that it is not what sustains us or it is not the joy of life it is a great joy of life in fact i am not at all diminishing from the great joy of life that it is potentially but i am saying all i'm saying is it's not the essence of life. And uh, I heard this, this saying that life doesn't begin when you get in a relationship. I heard, I heard it recently. And I think that it kind of speaks to this. I, in fact, it really speaks to this point that romance is not life or the essence of life. But I also have to say that romance is great and God has created it beautiful and now next we're going to talk about the design of romance and how and how and basically what it represents that's what we're going to talk about what it's all about what it represents let's go so to talk about what it all represents and what it what it's all about i want us to start from the beginning of romance itself the very beginning of romance itself we we are in the book of genesis chapter 2 or I'm, gonna, I'm just going to start reading from verse 15. And this is what it says. 
the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden, of Eden, to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. We're going to talk about that. Uh, from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So do notice that God permitted him to eat of any tree. That, that even includes the tree of life, which meant he, he, he and Eve could have eaten of the tree of life and lived forever. It wasn't like they just had not sin and sin. They also had choose life. They could have chosen life. And if they had chosen life, I think personally, just like I think from a theological standpoint in the in terms of free will, that was their choice. Choose good or evil. I think that the tree of of the knowledge of good and evil would have been taken out because they had passed the test and cho and chosen the tree of life. But let's go on. Let's go on um, for when you eat of it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, it is not good for men to be alone, period. It is not good for men to be alone. And so from there, I just want to make a point. It is not good for a man to be alone. It is not good for human beings to be alone. We were built for community. We were built for fellowship with one another. That's what we were built for. That's what... God created up with God created us with that in mind for community. And then he expands and kind of specifies, goes deeper into this community context, and he gets very specific. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Then he gets into romance. I will make him a helper suitable for him. So romance is about the couple, the married couple. Helping one another. Helping one another. The husband is a representation of Christ. And the wife is a representation of the body of Christ, the church. And the husband represents Christ's unconditional love. And, <laughs> and the wife represents the church which is submitted under Christ. Submitted under the, under the husband. So, so yeah, that's where... It all began because God said it is not good for men to be alone. And uh, he then went on to be specific and said that, therefore, I will make him a helper. So for human beings, and I am a human being, and I know that sometimes I speak of human beings as if I am not one. But for human beings, it, we were built for community. That's the first point. And uh, romance actually essentially romance represents represents the relationship between Christ and the church that's what it's all representative of that's where the beauty of romance lies and that it represents the relationship between Christ and the church Christ has loved us unconditionally and that for me is mind blowing it's mind blowing that it represents the relationship between us and Jesus. And a relationship with, with Jesus, which let me call the divine romance. The divine romance is not at all sexuality. Because sexuality, I think it's... Sexuality is strictly human. 
like a human expression of of relationship but the divine romance is beautiful in fact this year as god was revealing his love to me i really got deep into the divine romance so much that i said so much that i was like oh god i don't want i don't want any other relationship intruding with this divine romance this is what i want but but that but then that there's something wrong with that there's something wrong with that it it comes first the divine romance comes first your relationship with god comes first and then human relationships come in they're important they're essential to life they're essential to life and uh, one last point in romance is uh, is this that since romance is representative of the, of the love of christ and the church it's it it also brings about the point about the point of celibacy so there's a few scriptures that do mention celibacy celibacy basically is like not mar not marrying not marrying like for life okay <laughs> yeah there's celibacy like 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 singleness and then there's celibacy for life and um there's a bunch of scriptures about that in fact one of one of the ones that I can think of is in First Corinthians, where Paul is like these people from the church of Corinth, I think, had asked him if it is better not to marry. And Paul says, yes, it is better not to marry. But but when reading that, I when I when reading that, I would think if it is better not to marry, then isn't the logical choice choose that which is better, which is not to marry? And so I remember, and don't laugh at me for this, I remember in 2020 and 2021, and even this year, I think the devil kind of brought it, brought this scripture to my mind, like in the wrong context, in the wrong understanding of it, that it is better not to marry. Therefore, it is worse to marry. And so I was like, God, I'm, I'm choosing non-marriage. <laughs> I'm choosing non-marriage, but, 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 you know, but God and I, you know, we, 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 we walked through that and he kind of explained, he kind of explained it to me recently. I, you know, I just left the verse. It, it doesn't make sense. I think this is what is implied, but it doesn't make sense. But recently when I did a plan on you version on the book of first Corinthians, I read it in the message version and. It was enlightening. It was enlightening. I, I understood what was meant. He was saying that, look, he, look, it's it's okay not to marry. Just as okay as it is to marry. That's what he was implying. And that's what I'm implying here too in, with the point of celibacy. It's okay not to marry just as it is okay to marry. So I'm going to read to you a scripture that speaks about this. It's it's actually 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7 in the message. I love the message. In the message, Paul says that sometimes I wish I wish everyone were like were single like me. A simpler life in many ways. But celibacy is not for everyone any more than marriage is. God gives the gift to of the single to of the single life to some and the gift of the married life to others. So that's what I'm saying. It's okay either way it's okay and as for me it's not the gift of celibacy i of the single life i and i'm okay with that 
I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm more than okay with that. In fact, I'm glad with that. And I have another one in regards to this, and it's the one where Jesus talks about it. So let me go to it right now. Now we're gonna we're gonna actually go to the book of Matthew. Now this is Jesus, so there is no wrong, there is no fallacy in his words. So this is Jesus. In fact, the word of God, the whole word of God, there is no fallacy, but Jesus is as is as correct as can be. So in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus is talking about marriage, divorce, and celibacy, right? So he he says this. Then 1910, Jesus. Jesus' disciples objected. If those are the terms of marriage, we haven't got a chance. Why get married? Kind of like my kind of like my my reaction. If that's what 1 Corinthians says, then why get married? If it is, you know, logically, just logically speaking, because I hadn't understood 1 Corinthians, whatever the chapter we just read is, I just I, I just forgot. Um but Jesus said, now listen to Jesus' response, response. Not everyone is mature enough to live a married life. It requires a certain aptitude and grace. Marriage isn't for everyone. Some, from birth seemingly, never give marriage a thought. Others get asked or accepted and some decide not to get married for kingdom reasons. But if you're capable of growing into the, into the largeness of marriage, do it. He's talking about celibacy. In another version, he says that some are born like that. And I'm going to put in parentheses. Okay. In parentheses, seemingly, because, you know, because I'm, I'm not sure. Some are born like that. Others are made so by people, by men, either themselves or other people. Okay? And others, you know, they do it for the kingdom's sake. And that was kind of like where I was. That was kind of like where I was, especially in 20... When was it? Was it, was it last year at the middle of the year or in 2020? I remember I... Oh, it was in 2020. I remember I, I got depressed about this. I had I had a whole day of depression about this, thinking thinking I decided in my heart that that's it. I'm not gonna get married. I'm going celibacy for life because of God. I'm dedicating myself to God. <laughs> oh my goodness. So I guess the implication that I've not made in regards to the subject of romance is that romance ends in marriage. Okay? I'm not saying it's marriage is the end of romance. I'm saying that romance results in marriage. And uh, I don't think that, as I've made the point that romance is not life or the essence of life. So I guess I've come to terms with the fact that if Jesus were to come back right now, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I'm more than okay. So romance is not life. And it is not the essence of life, but romance is a great part of life. It is not wrong to choose celibacy, just as it's not wrong to choose the married, the married life. And what's the, what's the last point? Romance is all representative of the relationship between Christ and the church, the divine romance. Now let's go into the next part of the episode, which is lust.
So, for the subject or the subtopic that is lust, our, we have our episode and we have our topic, which is human sexuality. And we have our subtopics under the under the episodes, which are three. We have romance, lust, and sexual identity. And I said, and I say, hold that because we're going to define that. We're going to define that. It's not the usual definition. We're going to talk about that in depth. Okay. Okay. So don't misinterpret me. So um, in regards to lust, we have, I have one scripture, one. It's in Matthew 5, verse 28, where Jesus says, but I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery in his heart with her. Now, there's something I forgot to mention under romance. It is where it is. I just I'm reading the book of Proverbs on my Bible app. So I was meditating on this a few days ago that that something um, grace is no charm is deceitful and beauty is passing but a woman who serves the lord she shall be praised and i wrote one of one of the notes and in in that note i said that the same the same now pay attention my female listeners the same can be said the same can be said of of a man who serves the lord and the same the same that said about the foolish woman can be said about the foolish man it's about the implication it's about the implication so I, I even wrote a note about that. And if you don't mind, I, I, I would like to read that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, the implication in this is that, and I'm, I'm just adding this as I'm, before I get into talking about, about lust, um, is the reason, the reason that I'm including this is because on the, that romance, romance results in marriage and it's okay if it doesn't if it doesn't result in marriage, but but celibacy. In fact, I'm okay with any possibility. But basically, it, it results in marriage. And on the way to marriage, uh, and on the way to marriage, there's like many, like easy, so-called air quote easy ways to romantic happiness. And I think that this is derived from what we just talked about, where 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 one gets convinced that romance is the essence of life and they and they need a romantic relationship to fill the void and the void can only be filled by Christ amen amen and god is ever mindful of your desires and of the feelings he's put on the inside of you so if you are patient with him he will lead you he will lead you to the one okay cool Cool, cool. So now this was my meditation a few days ago, and I would like I would I would like to read my note. And I've got Proverbs, Proverbs seven, chapter seven, verse Proverbs chapter seven, verse twenty-one to twenty-two. With her much fair speech she caused him to wield. With the flattering of her lips she forced him. He goeth after her straightway, as an ox go goeth to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks anyway let me just skip all this and get to my note so in my note i said first as i begin my note i'd like to mention that what is said of the foolish woman and the woman who serves the lord can also be said of the foolish man and the man who serves the lord i believe that to be the context i know that this literary attempt is a 
is a bit risky. In fact, it may even be confusing at first, but once you've got it, it'll make much more sense. So there is a lot said here about the foolish and the wise, and I'm just writing, and frankly, I couldn't care what anyone thinks. This is just my pondering with the Lord in public. And I don't think there need be shame regarding this topic, and besides, the Bible is very plain on it. So let's start with the first point. Favor, in brackets I put charm, is deceitful, and beauty is vain, in brackets I put passing. But a woman who serves the Lord, she shall be praised. Now note, the same can be said of a man. Charm is deceitful, mm -hmm. and beauty is vain, passing. But a man who serves the Lord, he shall be praised. And I, let me continue my note. Now, I'm a man, so the woman who serves the Lord resonates more with me. This was my quiet time meditation a few days ago. And for me, being a male, to look at it from the point of view of a woman who serves the Lord is just beautiful. It's simply magnificent. If you're a woman, then the same can be said of, of a man who serves the Lord. Point two, with as much fair speech... He caused her to wield. With the flattering of his lips, he forced her. See, I told you it applies to either gender. But for me, it says, with her much fair speech, she caused him to, to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. I think that she, or he, if you're female, is representative of a rebellious, deceitful, adulterous spirit, even at work, when I guess in terms of the whole area of sexuality that tries to draw us into immorality and out of God's plan. Point three, he goeth after her straight, straightway as an ox to the slaughter. When we follow the voices that call us into rebellion, and I guess in this case, into quick romantic happiness, we are like an ox going to the slaughter. Let not thine heart, that we're in point four, let not thine heart decline to his ways. Go not astray in his paths. Point five, she has cast down many wounded. Yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Again, her being representative of sexual immorality or perverseness, it, sexual immorality, has cast down many wounded. Many strong men and women have been slain by it. Point six, his house is the highway to hell. I felt like this was this was feminine in, in Proverbs and I turned it masculine, but I, I felt like making it like that just for in this literary literary attempt of mine. His house is the highway to hell, going down to the chambers of death. I can't help but appreciate the poetic beauty of this wisdom. So this time I won't commentate. I think it just explains itself. Point seven, a foolish woman is clamorous, conspicuously and offensively loud. She is simple and knoweth nothing. Point eight, a gracious woman retaineth, maintains honor, and strong man retaineth, keeps spiritual riches. Point nine, as a jewel of gold in a swine's, in a pig's snout, so is a fair woman, which is without dis discernment, or which, which is without discretion, which is discernment. And I commentated that I would have written this in the form of a male, but the passage is too poetically beautiful in the feminine form, so I thought to leave it like that. Okay, let me continue. Why would the writer say that favor and charm are bad? I believe that the implication is favor, charm, and beauty without wisdom, without the Lord, is deceitful. In ending, favor, grace, 
Favor, grace is deceitful, fallacious, and beauty, good looks, is, are vain in that they don't serve much of a purpose seeing as they are not the foundation. But a man or woman who serves the Lord, he or she shall be praised. I know that was long. I know that was really long. But yeah, I just, I just made, I just made my point. So that's the, yeah. So our main verse, our main passage for lust is, if anyone dares as much as look at a woman to lust for her, he has already committed adultery in his, in, with her in his heart. The same, like I made in my note, the point that the Bible is implying something. It's not being sexist. The same can be said of women. Because understand both men and women, both male and female, have desires. Um, let me let me try to let me try to change it. Okay. But I say to whoever looks at a man to lust for him has already committed adultery with him in her heart. So just just to make just to make that point. And uh, now let's break down lust. What is lust? Just on the overall, on the outside, lust is desire. And I said, there's nothing wrong with desire. You heard me, right? There's nothing wrong with desire. But desire is misplaced. There's totally something wrong with that. And Jesus is talking about desires misplaced. Now, the purpose of desires, in, and I guess I'm going to be very blunt, sexual appetites, is that they will be filled. But as we just talked about, romance is not life or the essence of life. And we just talked about there's nothing wrong with going with either celibacy or marriage. The same can be said that the, that the void in our hearts can only be filled by God. But there are sexual desires that God places on the inside of us. And there's no shame about that, okay? There's no shame about sexual desires. God places sexual desires in our hearts. And uh, I'm afraid and that the devil has greatly used this beautiful thing that God has created, this, the, the area of sexuality, and it has been an area of great sin. This beautiful area has been an area of great sin. And now sexual desires are fulfilled in the context of marriage. In fact, I, I, I was going to come back to, to, to 1 Corinthians where to first corinthians where i where i was let me just go to it right now and i'm reading it in the message and this is what it says first corinthians chapter <laughs> i forgot again chapter 7 verse 1 now getting down to the questions you asked me in your letter first is it a good thing to have sexual relations relations which is the area of sexuality which we're talking about certainly but only within a certain context it is, it's good for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband. Sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to provide, to, is strong enough to contain them and provide a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. That's the point I wanted to make with the, with, with lust. So how do we, how, how, how do we desires are fulfilled in marriage but how do we contain desires and first of all i want to say something that if you attempted to fill them 
outside of marriage, of which I too have, um, then there's grace for that. There's grace for forgiveness and for redemption. There's grace for forgiveness and for redemption. In fact, mine was through mine was through pornography and masturbation. And I, as I've said, I hated myself. I strongly, strongly hated myself because I hated sexual immorality. And now that I was associated with it, I it was just the logical fallacy was now to hate myself. And I did. But how can you hate whom God loves? And the same applies to you. If you've ever succumbed to sexual temptations, how can you hate whom, God's, whom God loves? And there is grace. There is mercy. At the throne of God, there is mercy and grace. And I just want to say that how do you live right? How do you live pure in terms of sexual desires? I... And if you have that past and you have repented, repented means turn around, not just, and I, and, I, and I had a problem with this word because I didn't understand it really, but repentance means completely change course, go complete 180 degrees, completely change course. Whatever you were doing before that was associated with that, just change all of that. And um, the, if you repent, there is grace for that. But how does one stay sexually pure? How does one stay pure in terms of sexuality, in terms of lust in today's world full of sexual disorder? Well, I, I, I don't have a scripture about this, but I'm going to speak from, I believe, the way in which God is taking me. I think the way to stay pure in terms of desires, sexual desires that God put in you um, is that first of all, you're not your desires. They don't control you. You are the chooser. You are the one who makes the choices. So you're not your desires and uh, you can choose to be steadfast and to be, man, you really can't escape from this word, to be patient and God will fill your desires. In fact, God was mindful of Adam's desires in that he saw that Adam was lonely, <laughs> that Adam was lonely and he filled that desire. And in terms of sexual desires, have you ever noticed this, that Adam and even the garden were naked and they were not ashamed? There's a word shame again. I think in the area of sexuality, the devil tries to bring a lot of shame in it. And uh, as a result, that shame does not lead people to purity in terms of sexuality, but rather to immorality. And it creates this cycle where the immorality leads to the shame and the shame leads to the immorality. And there's something wrong with that. But let me make my point. How does one stay pure? And it's found, and I believe Psalm 109 or 119, I think. And it says, how can a young man, that is a young person, cleanse his way by heeding, by, by heeding to the word of God. Let me actually just go to it real quick. The message which Amen says, it's Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young person live a clean life by carefully reading the map of your word? Your being God, God's word. Abide in God's word. 
I've hide in Gaza. I think it it's it's worked for me, you know, and uh, I'm on my way to 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 complete freedom in terms in terms of sexual desires. And I just want to say that if you're tempted, when you're tempted, the devil just tries to use your desires in the wrong way. It's you're not that. That's not who you are. That's not who you are. And so the way to live sexually pure in this sexually immoral world is to abide in the word of God. And I believe that God will walk you through. God will give you the patience. God will give you the God will be with you every step of the way. Just abide in this word. Just abide, 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 and you'll find life. Now let's go into the next part, which is sexual identity. And this one, um, in this part, I would like to cover the LGBTQ community. And uh, I think that even, even like in heterosexuality, there's a lot, uh, there's a lot of like of misidentification and uh, if you if you've listened so far and uh, you're struggling with anything in regards to in regards to LGBTQ I just want to tell you there's no shame to it now let's get into it now the issue of sexual identity is is I think that it's a, there's a lot of debating going on around this and um, a lot of misconceptions going on around this that is going on in the world. I think that there's like extreme, like extreme shaming, shaming to people. And what I wanted to do with this episode is talk about the whole area of sexuality without shaming. Now, first of all, uh, now, first of all, I just want to say that in making the point sexual identity, it's a contradiction. I'm about to contradict myself because sexual identity is sexual misidentification. It's sexual misidentification. Now, okay, um, because our the origin, the basis of our identity is that God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that if you and I would believe in him, we would have eternal life. So for someone who's struggling with this, I want to say, I want to say that I don't, I'm not compromising on the Bible. The Bible does speak about this. And uh, if you felt like there's hate from the body of Christ, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that. But though the Bible says what it says, which is truth, and we should heed the truth. The Bible speaks speaks out against homosexuality. It speaks out against even promiscuity, which is which against promiscuity, which I guess you can't get away. You can't you can't get away because there's a lot of sexual misidentification, whether that misidentification has to do with LGBTQ, whatever, and or or it has to do with straight, heterosexual. There's a lot of misidentification. That's what I wanted to talk about in this point. Because there's a lot of misidentification. We just talked about lust and we talked about purity. 
How can one stay pure? By abiding in the word of God. And the word of God is the way to life. And uh, the, as I've said, the basis of our identity is Christ. And now, in regards to homosexuality, um, I just want to say the Bible says it's wrong. It, homosexuality is a sin. But you're not it. You're not it. And uh, I really, this point really was is close to my heart because I too, I, I struggled with pornography, with masturbation, that I believed that I was it. I was what I was doing. I was a bad person. That's what I believed. I believed I was a sexually immoral person. But the truth is, Christ took that identity away from me and he placed within me his identity. And that's what I want to say. If you have the feelings on the inside of you, in fact, two years ago in 2020 during COVID, um, um, uh, I was on this WhatsApp group, this WhatsApp Bible group, and a certain girl asked that, but guys, how do I get rid of, the, of these feelings that I have for other girls? And the point that I want to, I just, I want to make in this is that you're not your desires. I said it in the last point. You're not your desires. And I guess this, this is kind of an extension of the topic of, of the topic of lust, but you're not your desires. That's not who you are. The Bible says that male and female, he created them and he created that attraction. And now I'm not very educated on how on how homosexuality comes to be. But I just want to tell you that if you've identified with that, that's not who you are. And I'm glad to tell you that you have believed the lie and Christ has redefined you if you would accept his identity, his beloved. And if you're struggling with any such desires, he's going to help you to overcome that. He's going to help you. Abide, as you abide in the word of God, as you bring people into your life, we're going to hold you up, hold you accountable, and you you can overcome. And as for the rest, um, as for the rest, like sexual identities, the same applies. Like that's not who you are. You are Christ's and he'll, and he is willing to help you, to be with you. And I think that the, that, you know, like there's a lot of people, even people, even straight homosexual, sorry, even straight heterosexual people who have sexual misidentifications in that they identify with like with their desires. They identify with their desires and thus we have promiscuity. And um, in my in my school, there's like. What I what I what I what I would like to, I know there's a word for it and I know it's polyamory but it's polyromance and I I hate that I hate that I I just want to say as I'm coming to a close that you should not identify with sexuality it's not who you are it's you should not identify with sexuality and there should be no shame to sexuality sexuality is a part of our humanity. But it is not who you are. And God, there's a lot of mercy and grace in God for healing. And the devil is really the causer of chaos who is 
tricking people. And I think I too was tricked. I wasn't dealing in regards of, in terms of sexuality. I wasn't dealing with homosexuality or whatever, but I was dealing with, with pornography and masturbation. And I was really, really like, I believe that that's, I came to believe that that's who I was. And, um, God helped me and he is helping me through that to overcome. I just want to tell you, just give you a word of encouragement today. If you're struggling, if you're struggling with homosexuality, if even, if, even like with identities, with gender identities, the Bible says male and female, he created them. And I just want to tell you, society has lied to you. The world has lied to you. You are, you are not your desires and, and you need not believe those lies because you're trying to influence you and the devil wants, just wants to lead you in the path of destruction because he hates you. And the reason he hates you is because he hates God. And as part of his hate, as part of, uh, alongside his hate, he is afraid of you. So let go of false identities whether you're straight or you have believed, you know, the lies, uh, the lies that the world is told about LGBTQ. You don't have to identify with that anymore. You identify as, you can identify as a child of God. That's where I, our identity is found, loved, beloved. And so for the one person that God had me do this for, the one person who who's struggling in that area, I just want to say, you will come out. Get good people alongside you, good Christian people. Tell people what your feelings are and what's going on within you. And along with those people and abiding in the word and good counsel and your journey with God, you are going to come out. You're going to overcome those desires and you're going to go in the right path of, of human romance, of human sexuality, which, which, is, um, and which is male, male, male and female, which is male and female. And uh, just because the devil tells you something, just because the world tells you something, it doesn't mean that it is. You are loved of God. And if you have felt hate from the church, I'm sorry for that. But I, I just want to spread this message and tell it to you with love that that's not who you are. That's not who you are. You are loved by God. And he would like to help you through that to overcome those feelings. You're not, you're not that. And... As you come, as you come to find your identity in Christ and Christ alone, um, I pray that you abide in the Word of God. You get good people alongside you. If you're de dealing with anything in regards to not just homosexuality and tra transgender I identities, but anything to do with the LGBTQ thing going on, I just want to say that that is all a lie. But you people are important to God. You matter to God. You matter to God. Just, just you are you, you. He, God, loves people, and God loves you. 
And I pray for you that you may find freedom, that you may come to find freedom. Amen. Now, let's sum up what we've talked about. We've talked about three topics. We've talked about a little bit of subpoints under them. So, so those three topics are romance, lust, and sexual identity. And uh, under romance, we talked about the purpose of romance. We talked about the one. We talked about... <laughs> I forget. Let me check my notes. Okay. Um, we talked about what, oh yeah, the purpose of romance. Well, romance is all about uh, what it represents, the beauty of romance. We talked about romance is not life or the essence of it. And um, under the point of lust, we talked about the fact that desires are not bad. The perp And we talked about the purpose of the desires and, and why they're there on the inside of us. And we talked about how to deal with desires misdirected, how to stay pure in terms of sexuality and in sexual identity we've talked about the contradiction that it is in making it the basis of identity be it straight or lgbtq the basis of like making it a, a, like making it a base of identity it is a part of our humanity but it is not but it is not our identity and we talked about about in regards to LGBTQ, I said that the feelings, that's not who you are, and God can help you overcome that, and you can find worth in Christ and not your feelings, and you can break the lies of the devil, and God loves you still the same, and he would like to help you find freedom in that. So, yeah, that's what we talked about this in this here episode, and so I would like us to pray and just about this whole episode that God would lead us in the right way as we go on. Father, as we come before you today as in terms of all this, we pray, Lord, that you would help us now to approach the area of sexuality, not with shame, even regarding our desires, not with shame, but to approach them in your word, to come to your word, that our desires would be purified our motives purified and washed, Lord. Help us to walk in integrity in regards to this. Help us to walk in purity in regards to this. And help us not to walk in shame. Lord, help us to release the shame. To release the shame that has so held us in terms of this topic. The shame to even talk about it. But help us to come to know the truth through your word. Help us to abide in your word and let your word lead us in the path of life. We thank you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, everyone. Um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed the, the episode and I hope it really spoke to you. I really wanted to tackle this hard subject. I feel like God has given me a grace for hard topics. In fact, um, uh, for hard topics. In fact, what, what did I want to say? I completely forgot, man. I'm so forgetful when I record. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I wanted to say that. But sometimes, like, the devil the devil really attacked the making of this episode, trying to change my mind and all that. But 
aren't you glad I made it? Aren't you glad I stuck through even though I procrastinated? Even though I I didn't persevere when hardships came in regards to making this episode. But I but here I am, I did persevere in the end. Um Yeah, and I hope you you learned from this and that you finally let go of the shame in regards to this topic, to this topic, this beautiful field that God has created that you would now walk you would now walk in the ways of God in regards to it and you would honor him with this area of sexuality and so now yeah I'm so glad to have made that so I've been thinking um about making the episode anxiety I don't know I'm thinking maybe like dealing with anxiety or and I'm also I, I, I also like just like it's just a thought it's not like for sure for sure but just a thought I mean I thought of, about making a, an episode about suicide and um, suicidal thoughts and uh, I would really like to talk to, some, to someone who has dealt with that suicidal thoughts self-harm anything of that sort I would like I would really like to talk to someone who has dealt with that but yeah, I guess I'll do I'll just do my research and um, I because we really need this in this day and age we need this in this day and age and there's you know usually before when I'm not recording I have so many ideas about what I'm gonna say but when I record I forget I completely forget but those are some of the episodes that are coming up but didn't you just enjoy this episode yeah, if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it with a friend. If it spoke to you, share it with someone whom you think might need it. Share it, because like, share this message. Don't keep it to yourself. And not only that, oh, and not only that, but also, if you can, rate the podcast. On Spotify, you can now rate. On Apple, on Apple Podcast, I, I think you can rate. Yeah. Break the podcast. It, it helps to get the podcast out there to all the people that need it. And I hope that it, it, it reached that one person that God put in my heart. I don't know the person. I don't know. I don't know, but I believe. I feel really strongly in my heart that there's one person God really wanted to talk to in this podcast. Maybe by now you're sobbing. It's the nature of God to speak direct messages through people even it's it's amazing how he is um yeah and uh i also want to say that as for songs i'm sorry but i have procrastinated um i have i have i've not been writing any songs but like kind of like kind of got a song yeah i'm not sure what if if it's like for, for sure for sure but like it's a song per- perfect it's like um it says you see me as perfect you say that I'm worth it. I'm never alone. I'm never forsaken. I'm never forgotten. I'm never abandoned. I'm never alone. I'm never forsaken. I'm never forgotten. I'm never abandoned. Yeah, that's kind of like my song idea, but I think that next, my siblings and I are going to write the song i don't think i've I've ever mentioned this song it's a song called like pentecost again that i received in prayer and um yeah but i'm so glad to have made this episode after a month and i'm so sorry about that 
um but i'm hoping to be consistent i'm gonna make schedules and stuff and try to figure out ways to to record because usually when i record there's usually so much background noise i usually want just to give up quit and cry because this podcast matters to me a lot but i guess the podcast matters to me more than it being perfect which is why i persevere and uh, yeah yeah so i hope you enjoyed this episode and stick around for more i'll see you next time bye-bye